welcome back to Self-Care with Dr. Sarah. This is the third entry in our catalog of scientists, makeup, and presentation conversations, and we're lucky enough to have Dr. Chanda Prescott-Weinstein, a theoretical particle physicist currently at the University of Washington, back to talk with us. We first talked with Chanda and Dr. Vaishali Bardwaj in episode seven, and then Chanda also joined Sarah R. and I to interview Dr. Balanja Atis, uh, who's the head of L'Oreal's Women of Color Lab in episode 12. In this episode, we wanted to talk in more detail about how gender presentation, and specifically female gender presentation, is policed in the sciences. So, Wyan, even if you're wearing quote-unquote professional wear, that, um, you know, it's a completely different look if you're putting on a skirt with leggings and a jacket versus even putting on pants with a jacket and a button-down um, I'm very conscious when I'm choosing outfits, when I'm going to give a colloquium or to give a seminar, of which particular gender presentation am I putting on today, and how are people going to read that um, in context of things that are publicly known about me, that I identify as agender, um, that I identify as queer, that I'm married to a man, um, and and... And I think that, like, one of the things that happens with women and gender minorities is that people feel so entitled to ask us questions and make assumptions that don't happen, like, oh, you look like you've lost some weight. That's something that's happened to me. Um, And because I'm, I'm a naturally thin person, I'm quite sensitive about that because I've dealt with a lot of body policing around my, my weight and my size. And I think that I think fat women get that so much worse than I do, um, but but I think it happens all around. And no one I think ever makes a point of telling, of, of making those kinds of like body oriented comments to men. Yeah. And then I think the other piece of it is that we know from the data, and we knew anyway, whether there were studies or not, that if you were generically pretty or fit some version of pretty or beautiful, that you experience advantages. Mm-hmm in the workplace and in social environments. And so there's also this question of um, this added layer of pressure, which is like, if I don't put the makeup on and this is an important opportunity for me to get people's attention, am I screwing myself if I don't pretty up or am I screwing myself if I pretty up and then people think that I'm being um, superficial? Um, I think that's another version of the damned if you do, damned if you don't, which is not just like, um, how am I going to feel with regard to like what my presentation is, but also like there are real potential professional consequences yes. yeah. for, for these, these choices that we're making and, and they happen, um, you know, regardless of what your gender identity and presentation are, if you're not like basically a cis man yeah. <laughs> who, who is like normative in his masculinity, yeah. I guess. Right. Yeah, you said it. This email that I got um, from a young woman uh, really provoked a response that I think has only really come out with, like, anger um, a small handful of times, like, less than the fingers on one hand. But it'll be a situation where um, maybe I'll be present with other women, and there'll be, like, a disparaging comment about another person. 
uh, one time it was a disparaging comment toward me, like at a colloquium dinner. <gasps> and I, I no. just like completely, I just snapped. Like this was a <gasps> person who was saying, I mean, it was a conversation about like what's appropriate to wear at a colloquium. Oh my God. Um, so this woman, uh, this woman who's a few years senior to me was saying, um, I, I only wear pant, pants, like pantsuits, and I was saying, I thought it was up for discussion. So I was like, oh, sometimes I wear dresses and skirts. You know, I, I feel comfortable in both. And she was saying, there's only one thing I look at when a woman is giving a colloquium <gasps> and, wearing, and wearing a skirt, and that's her legs and her ass. Well, she sounds like she might be queer. <laughs> what I said is the I hero has to say. <laughs> I completely snapped and I was like, it's amazing you can see through the podium like that. You must have x-ray vision. Like I and this was at a colloquium dinner like with other people present. The That's colloquium awful. speaker was pre- present. But part of the reason why I responded that way is because there was a more junior woman sitting next to me who was hearing this who also wears a lot of skirts uh, and dresses and I was like, no, like not on my watch basically is what I was thinking. And that feeling came up again with this email from a more junior woman uh, who was writing to me saying that the women in her class had made these comments like, oh, are you, you're just like trying to look extra nice basically for this like poster competition, Um, you know, or like making disparaging comments basically. And like basically accusing her of putting too much effort into her presentation. Like, oh, did you curl your hair for this? You know, and I, I mean, I was, I felt like rage. I felt rage. Um, but I often can access in a way that's different when it's about me. I, I often find it much harder to tap into that desire to protect. Um, when it's about me, when it's about other women, it's so crystal clear to me, like what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, which is why in those situations, I was able to articulate 100% this is wrong. You know, like this is absolutely wrong. And I felt... Um, this desire to communicate something to her, which is hard to say with words. What I was communicating to her was that, like, the expression of her own identity is something which is crucial. Like, it is not frivolous, you know, and it's not unprofessional, like, at, at both ends of the spectrum. This is an integral part of being a human being, is, um, having how you feel on the outside or having how you feel on the inside be reflected to the degree that you want it to be um, on the outside. And that's something that I think a lot of folks just don't even think about because other people don't comment upon it uh, regularly, positively or negatively. But what I said to her because she wears a lot of, like, makeup was, you know, why don't you take your press release and put it on the mirror so you see it when you put on your lipstick? So you can start to, like, knit these things together. They're not distinct. These are the same things. Like, the same woman who likes to wear this really bold lipstick is the woman who produced this press release. And you know what? Congratulations on that, because that was a really cool result. Um, They're not different things, and I just find it infuriating. So I was actually thinking about writing a a blog entry that kind of touched on this Mm -hmm. um, in a very different way, but you just made me think about it, which is that I think that for... um, people of color who come from underrepresented minority groups in STEM, um, a lot of the internal psychological battle, and that's certainly been an ongoing one for me, has been seeing myself in the position. And it took me until like I was like year a few years into my postdoc to really start to reconcile those two things as one in my mind. Yeah. And one of the things 
that really stood out to me um, was Scott Traeger took a, a photo of me giving a colloquium at the University of Groningen recently when I was visiting and posted it on Twitter. And it's like this photo of me and I'm like mid-sentence, very critical comment I'm making about dark matter in my slide, explaining the cold dark matter paradigm is in the background. And I was like, that's a scientist. Yeah. And, and so I think this is one thing that I've been actually planning to write about in my Surviving and Thriving series, which is that you need to see yourself as a scientist. And there are, I think, things that you can do. And I think one of them is actually get people to take pictures of you when you are in the midst of your science. Like, just say to your office mate, today, can you randomly take a picture of me at some point while I'm actually working and not messing around on Facebook? <laughs> Um, and and ask people to take pictures of you while you're giving talks and ask people, like, get those action shots so that you can see yourself from outside of yourself. Um, so I actually think that yeah. that is generally good advice, not That's just advice. for for the makeup. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of putting it next to the mirror, but I, yeah. I, I do think that this whole idea of being able to visualize yourself, and if you can't find that difference in mainstream representations uh, and repre- yeah, presentations of mm-hmm. scientists, make it. Become that different representation. Get your friends to send you pictures. They might yeah. be willing to do that. Um that I, I think that that's a, a, a really kind of powerful way of responding to it. And I also just wanted to say, like, I actually have a story like that. Really? That involves someone telling a story about me to a colloquium speaker at the colloquium dinner. Uh-huh. That we had ended up um, being in the same shuttle on the from the airport on the way to the National Society of Black Physicists some years ago. And my flight had, I had been delayed by like seven hours and a friend of mine was supposed to straighten my hair, which I almost never do. So I thought it would be like a fun thing to do for the conference. And so I was on the phone with her talking to her about like when she could come by and press my hair because like I just would singe it off if I tried to do it myself. Um, and fast forward, like, I don't know, nine months later and this person tells this story um, so by the way, like at that conference, I ran cosmology sessions. I ran um, a, a, a cosmology plenary. So I had done all of this like science stuff with like big name people from Stanford and Penn State. Mm-hmm. Um, so fast forward, this meeting comes up at this colloquium dinner. And this person is like, oh yeah, Chanda was very interesting at the conference. She was very concerned about her hair. And that was their, that person's entire summary of what I had done. Were you that. present? Were you able to? Yeah, I was. I mean, like, I mean, I was a I graduate student. To. I was a graduate student, and it was someone, and it was at my home institution, right? Oh God. And so, like, I was kind of, and it was at my home institution where I had already had problems because I had looked angry when somebody said something racist to me, right? Yeah. So, like, it was also a situation where I was just kind of like. <gasps> I already have a reputation for being a difficult non-white guy. So how much do I want to add on to this? I mean, of course, like, I remember that story. And I remember how not one of the men at the table said anything about it or tried to shut it down or said, I know that Chanda also ran these cosmology sessions. I don't, I mean... It says a lot that I don't remember how I responded. I think I might have tried to bring the cosmology sessions up. But, yeah. like, I'm, I, th- I look back on that, and I don't think that I was naive for having that phone conversation in front of him. 
But I think that there are incidents like this that teach us and anybody else who's sitting at the table, no, you can't do that. You can't have a conversation about hair in front of a male physicist because the next thing you know, that's all you care about. Oh my God, that's I'm no longer a PhD student in theoretical cosmology. I'm a woman who's obsessed with her hair, and that's all. So I, I totally feel you on yeah, that because, yeah. like, I mean, it was humiliating. It's enraging. Right? Yeah. It's totally, it's it's enraging and it's it's mean, but yeah. it's also just, like, um, just completely humiliating. Like, um, and, and kind of also sends the message, like, no matter what we do, at the end of the day, if we show any signs of gender difference, yeah. we will always be reduced to that thing, which is what that woman was saying. Yeah. You could be giving the greatest colloquium that they have ever had, and she's too freaking distracted by your clothing or yeah. or by your what are probably very yeah. nice legs, yeah. right? <laughs> um, and I, and I think that like people can talk about oh you know you just shouldn't sexualize people or whatever. I think it's fine to have the thoughts. We're human. <laughs> most of us are not asexual, so a lot of most of us are are having like some kind of sexual thoughts. But it is our responsibility to control them and focus. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, this is adulthood. We're not yeah. fifteen year olds yeah. of any gender. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. just like. And I've seen it says a lot about her level of maturity, right? Oh, but for she, sure. But yeah. she puts that on you. That's awful. Yeah. It's like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I agree. I mean, and I. Sorry, I'm ranting. <laughs> not at all. I mean, I think part of the reason why I spoke up was first of all, like my cup was too full. Like I spilled over. And usually in those situations, like I will keep my composure, but there are times when my cup just like absolutely spills over. And that tends to be in a moment where often when I perceive like another woman is receiving like an absolutely toxic message, like it's intolerable, you know? So like I'll, I'll tolerate like more comments toward myself than I will something that I perceive to be harmful, especially to like a younger scientist sitting next to me. I'll just speak up. Like I spoke up in, in colloquium at MIT just last week. This was like unrelated, you know, but I just, the words just came out. Like I disagree, you know, like really loudly in a conversation. Which Um, is excellent. It just came out. Yeah. I mean, it just, it definitely just came out, but that was super operative because I knew there were two young women in the audience. Um, and actually like both of whom like young women of color, actually, who I had, I mean, there are not that many young women at MIT generally. Um, and one of them, we had like interacted se- like separately and had a coffee about just like surviving at MIT. And then to have this kind of extremely senior man who, um, you know, like, uh, uh, like an elderly physicist, just kind of holding forth in this way that's, uh, totally irresponsible about, um, how you don't want to encourage just anyone to apply for things. Like, you should encourage good proposals. And then if if students are intimidated or people are intimidated to submit proposals um, concerned that they're not, quote-unquote, good enough, well, then they don't belong in science. You know, if you're intimidated, you don't belong. And I was like, no, 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 I, I disagree. And the um, the moderator was just like, okay, we're going to bring this cloak into an end. But like, I was, I was ready. Like I had my game face on. It was intolerable. Um, and no one else said anything. Then we all just filed out. So, um, I advised this woman basically to bring it back to the story, to just keep being her. And I also said that I thought she should say something. So there was a, a question 
um, that she was coming to me with kind of a very specific question about what, if anything, should be done. Um, should she talk to these women who are her peers, um, or should she let it go and try to forget? And you could tell that she was already doing um, the things that a really thoughtful person would do, like she was ascribing to them all of these um, mo motives and kind of narratives to kind of forgive, right? Like she was like, well, we're all in it together, you know, and um, they probably were just frustrated because in the department, the they've mentioned my press release and, and maybe they didn't mention their work. And I was like, that's just so, um, it's, it, none of that makes it okay. You know, like I understand that that is a survival strategy that sometimes women will adopt is to criticize the behaviors of other women uh, to kind of seize control over a situation over over which of course they have no control but it does it's like an illusory temporary feeling of relief because you can distance yourself from the terrible truth which is that it doesn't matter how you dress or how you put on makeup at the end of the day gender discrimination is real and we're all in it together there's nothing you can do to kind of distance yourself from it by making fun of other women or criticizing them that will render you immune and so even though I understand that that's a coping strategy like it's a reason and it's not an excuse and I told her I really admired you know that like empathic impulse that she had to kind of like forgive but I said it doesn't make it okay I do think you should tell them I think you should keep it short and sweet you know like with I disagree um I suggested um it really bothered me when you made these comments about my appearance it's very important to me that you don't do it again you know like just keep keep it to a few words like especially if your voice shakes you know like keep it to a few words but like get the words out so this is something that i thought about a lot in a different context mostly um and actually returning to kind of my story about the hair and pressing my hair that there was an element of that that was like also very racialized which is oh, that sure. like black women are having different conversations about hair and hair needs. And I think one of the reasons that year I wanted to try pressing my hair for the National Society of Black Physicists is because um, in some corners of the black community, um, or in all corners of the black community, we're constantly having this conversation about what hair is socially acceptable to have, like whether it's even acceptable for your hair to be curly. Um, is it acceptable for it to be in braids or in, in dreadlocks and, and that kind of thing? a conversation is high up in the army. Yeah. In the U.S. Army. Like, what's acceptable is your is the hair that grows out of your head. Acceptable. You know, acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I think that, like, I was... So I was kind of grappling with, like, well, maybe I'll try a different angle on that. And, and one of the reasons that I was thinking about that was because um, we actually have a dress code at the National Society of Black Physicists. Um, and I, I've actually had a theory for a while that I may have inspired that dress code because, like, I don't know, I think I showed up at conferences wearing, like, tube tops and stuff like that <laughs> at one point. And I think I think that, like, when, when white people hear about this, I actually had an interaction with a, a white woman scientist earlier this year who um, had a very strong reaction to it. Um, to the idea of a dress code. Oh, okay. And um, felt that it was very oppressive and um, that it was like the racial version of gender policing. Mm -hmm. And so, and I think that this connects 
to the kind of advice that I like to give to students and juniors who find themselves in these situations, that there are real consequences to the choices that we make. Mm -hmm. And those consequences go in both directions. So if I choose, and and then there's also this element like in the black community dressing up, it's now like a black American thing that like we put on our, our best when we're going into conference and professional situations. And part of that is just because like as a black person, people are already going to be like, oh, that person by default is less professional. And so you're, you're trying to put that at arm's length as much as mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. And someone could look at that and say, well, you're really putting the responsibility on the person putting the clothing on instead of on the racist. And that's true. Um, but that's because like, we know that we can't control the racists that yeah. we're going to run into. Um, and and so I think it's complicated, which is that I think people should be able to wear whatever they want, but people, the reality is, is that there are consequences that come with that. On the flip side, there are also consequences, like, if you really feel uncomfortable in a suit and you really feel like you have to put a suit on, um, you have to ask yourself, am I going to hate myself in the morning because I put the suit on even though I didn't really want to? And the same thing with makeup. Am I going to hate myself because I put all that makeup on even though I am? that's not me, that's not who I am, that's mm-hmm. not the kind of person that, that I feel that I am? So I think the consequences run in both directions. And so like, I've had black women students come into my office and say, like, let's talk about hair. And what I've tried to say is, yes, there are real consequences in professional settings, unfortunately, um, depending on what your choices are. Um, but I can't tell you which one is worse for you. I can't tell you if it's worse to force yourself to do something with your body that isn't truly reflective of, um, your personality. Um, and I want to be very clear also that that's completely different from talking about trans issues Mm -hmm. and gender identity issues. Mm -hmm. So this is a completely separate issue. I just want to be clear for anyone listening about that. Um, that, so you can make that choice if forcing yourself to put on an outfit or put on some goop on your face that you don't like, or you can run the risk that, um, you're not going to have the same professional opportunities. And, um, it's unfair yeah, like I, I tell I tell students that it's not their fault, but it is their problem, and that's the the reality of the situation. Um, is having a dress code for professionalism the same as slut shaming? I don't think so. This white woman, I think, really felt very strongly about that, and mm. I I don't know how much of that is based on the differences in our racialized experiences mm-hmm. and me not being objective or her not yeah. being objective. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think she's coming at it probably definitely from a different angle. I do agree that um, for your like dependent upon your identity, you're feeling that personal is political like along any number of axes. So I think what is for certain sure is that that the personal is political is not something that necessarily our like white cisgender male colleagues are grappling with all the time. For them, sometimes it really seems like they don't even fathom why we need to have these conversations in a scientific context at all. For them, it feels like completely disjointed. There's like the life you have at home and then there's the life you have scientifically and they don't understand that these things are necessarily intertwined for us. Like everything from personal presentation, gender presentation, to choices about whether to have and raise children, choices about whether to be partnered, all of these things are borne out in like statistics. 
about like women who succeed and don't succeed and like individuals who succeed and don't succeed. So it does, I kind of like resist, I suppose, a lack of, a lack of kind of empathy, like on either end of that. Like it is true that the personal is political. So when I hear people say like, this is my choice and I chose to do that, you know, then I'll say, and it is your choice. You know, absolutely that's your choice. It does not mean that it doesn't play out on a on a socio-political stage. Like we're all we're all players in this drama. So you are making your own choices. I just imagine I just think it's very foolish to kind of divest yourself altogether. It's very hard to do. I that's kind of something I only really see white women do actually. It's kind of like, well, I chose my choice, and that's what feminism is. And I'm like, well, yeah. You know, <laughs> kind of, you know, um, but your choices are also, unfortunately, like steeped in all of this background noise, like hundreds of years of history. Like, wonder. Well, no, I mean, it's definitely the case that like, for example, when I'm thinking about the dress code, I'm thinking about a study I saw recently um, that I can't remember exactly like what experiment that they tried, but they were looking at like the impact on um competition on diversity Mm -hmm. that's what it was and they found that as it became more competitive to get better applicants that um, people were more likely to make more diverse hires because they were not just using their biases but were like looking at qualities and that this was true for white women and it was true for other ethnic groups but they still didn't want to hire black people it didn't matter how competitive the applicant pool got. They just didn't want black people. Blackness is the full So in that context, is it responsible of me not to tell my students that there are professional consequences? Yeah. No, I think it's probably like a jerk move not to tell them that that's the reality of the situation. Um, So I think it's like... it puts me or anyone advising someone in that situation in a morally compromised position where we are communicating this array of choices yeah. that is morally compromised. But also that say like the person that I was having that conversation with maybe doesn't have to have that same thought process for herself because she's never going to walk into a room and be like the person who's well known for being black and talking about black people issues Mm -hmm. and also trying to get taken seriously as a theoretical cosmologist. Um, So yeah, I agree with you that like some of it is, is coming at it from different angles, but I, I think that a lot of kind of these issues of policing and identity are really coming from the same space, which is what are acceptable deviations from cis, white, masculine, male? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Something I kind of, I just have like a thought that I want to say, which is, um, I do think that there's like distinct things. There's questions of how you can budge incrementally a really negative power structure. And then there's questions about surviving in the day-to-day. Yeah. <laughs> so for the latter, just to focus on that, even though the former is important, big picture stuff, I do think that there's something to be said in a conversation with a person who's encountering the same kinds of disparaging comments as you. Like, I, I would resent it wholeheartedly if, like, an older man was telling me how to dress, for example. That would be very hard for me to extract the truth and well-meaning from that historical context of that um, and the power dynamic there. So that's one thing. But I do think that it's possible to impart just 
a modicum of empathy in that interaction that will actually hopefully be like the, the predominant feeling the person takes away from that interaction. So even if we are sharing something like it, you, how you dress does have choices, you could add, but I know what that's like. Yeah. I know what that's like, and it's incredibly frustrating so that, I mean, telling, telling people what to do in any situation like isn't going to be effective <laughs> or helpful. Like you, all you can do is like try to give a person like the tools to make their own good decisions. But I do think something that would remain with a person, hopefully in that interaction would be the feeling that they weren't alone, you know? Um, and which is what I tried to offer this young woman, you know, was, I said, um, you know what, go out there and get it. Like I bought a $90 eyeshadow palette this week. So, you know, and that was on my good advice. <laughs> I just want to take credit. It's advice. an amazing palette. And let me tell you, it I'm looks good super good. And as I was saying to this woman, like, you know what? I'm going to wear this too. I understand where you're coming from. It looks fabulous on her. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But I tried to offer this, like, you know, just like tiny sparkly gem in this mound of trash. Um, that's, I understand how you feel. And, you know, we're in it together. I mean, so I guess I was going to add one comment yeah, yeah. to what oh, you just said, which I think that one of, there's like an instructive, I'm always an activist and a woman on a mission, I guess. <laughs> I am. Um, I think there's something really instructive about what you said, though, which is that the message came from you mm -hmm. and you really did know what yeah. it's like. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, on the spectrum of things that it's important to students to have in mentoring, maybe someone who can talk to you about wearing makeup and getting dressed up nicely isn't the number one most important thing because mm -hmm. the science is important to you, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that one of the big problems that we have in the community is that like, um, there aren't a lot of black women's offices for students to walk in and have those conversations. Yeah. Or like, what if, you know, a black woman wanted to walk in and talk to me about makeup and I was like averse to conversations about makeup, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so I do think you yeah. as the messenger versus some old white man yeah. actually really, really mattered. Um, and, and that should That's be highlighted I mean. as like, so a service that you are doing to the community for free. This yes. is the subject of my blog entry today. I'm kind of drawing the connection to that, yeah. but also, um, like it, it matters to the community that your office is there and that you are physically present. That's a wrap for this episode of Self-Care with Dr. Sarah. Thanks very much to folks for listening, and of course to Dr. Prescott-Weinstein for joining us again. Check us out at Drs. Sarah Care, that's Drs, D-R-S, plural, on Twitter and on Tumblr. You can write to us at Dr. Sarah Care, again, plural, D-R-S, S-A-R-A-H-C-A-R-E, at Gmail. Or you can even call and leave us a message at 617-SARAH50, Sarah with an H, and we'll play your message and address it on a future show. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving us a nice review. It helps us out and honestly makes both of our days when we see one. Uh, until next time.